0: Boat Trader is America's largest boating marketplace with over 100,000 boats to choose from. We offer simple, comprehensive solutions for those looking to sell, find, and finance new or used boats. Visit BoatTrader.com to get started. The
1: 1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history. Designed by John Browning, the 1911 was the standard-issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, Almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911, and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. So there's a reason why I started Blood Virgins, and that reason is simple is that i wanted to convey the truth about hunting it brings awareness to to non-hunters that it's it's more than just killing animals how do hey. i start it Brittany? my name my, is, my... <laughs>
0: does my hair look okay it's fantastic.
1: my name is mike axelrod start again yeah i hated it too <laughs> Rex you said something in the car to me you said that you were living on borrowed time hmm. There's a perception around who hunters are, what we're supposed to be, and a, a feminist that works for a non-profit that is a hunter that has only eaten wild game for the last 20 years is likely not the thing that people think about when it comes to a hunter.
0: I think I'm going to reverse you and go out the other way.
1: Okay. Perfect. Man, you've got a beautiful place here.
0: Oh, thanks, man. How was that interview? <laughs> yeah, it was interesting, eh? It was interesting. Didn't sweat too much, huh? No, a little bit.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I typically do a very <laughs> terrible job of introducing people on this thing. So, do you want to go introduce yourself?
0: To my the audience, the oh millions right. of people that are listening to you right All now. All right. So, my name is um, Howard Knott and uh, I'm based at uh, Chapis in the Limpopo province, not too far from the uh, Zimbabwe border. Closest town is uh, Messina. And, uh, yeah, I'm a third-generation game game rancher and uh, second-generation outfitter.
1: So you say game rancher, like you did that first. You didn't say outfitter first. You said game rancher first. Well Is that what you would consider yourself first? A game rancher?
0: Yeah, I'm a I'm a game rancher slash outfitter. You know, I wear more than more than one hat. So
1: turn that microphone just a little bit towards you. Yeah, perfect.
0: Okay, so yeah, I, co- I mean, I raise wear raise it up a little I wear t- I definitely wear two hats. Um, you know, I always tell the guys, even when we, when we, when I used to be in Farsa years ago, and even now, it's CPHC. Um, what does CPHC stand uh, for? For those who c- don't know, the Custodians of Professional Hunting South Africa. And um, you know, I tell the guys, I'm not a. Most of the guys in the association are probably outfitters and PHs, and the landowners or ranchers are in the minority. So I, I'm wearing I'm wearing two hats. So it's it's often interesting when we have debates. Um, you know, s- often the outfitters or the PHs see things differently to someone who's a landowner as well. But it's very, really, it's, it's interesting t- and it's good to have the balance. But yeah, so I'm, um, because I'm in the game, I'm breeding game and I'm, I'm uh, hunting game and I'm capturing game. So I'm a game rancher. But when,
1: when someone hears you say you're breeding game... You're not sticking them in pens and no, no. breeding
0: different colours and different phases and that kind of stuff, right? No, nothing. You, we're breeding them yeah on, on the 70,000 acres um, where they're free to roam. That, we're breeding them. Every now and then we'll bring in some new blood. might uh, may buy a buffalo bull from somebody and stick it in here. And hope it gets into the herd, or you may buy some new sable or something, You know, d- but but generally we we we've got to a stage now. For years, we very very seldom bring any any new blood in. We've got the herds are big enough to sustain themselves.
1: Right, and we're driving around your seventy thousand acres, and this place is called. So this is
0: called this is called Greater Safaris. Um, Chipi- Been in operations since. We started, uh, my dad started the game ranching site in 71 and started the hunting in 74 and the game capture in 74.
1: This place was one of the first, if not the first, places to decide to
0: convert from agriculture to wildlife. That's right, yeah. In 71, in, in my dad started removing the, the cattle. And uh yeah, like I say a lot of lot of people uh um, thought he was mad and they said, you know, you're, you're gonna have the best best fenced cattle ranch in the country and there was a lot of lot of kidding by even by his good mates and they said, you know, what what are you getting up to? This is madness. But uh Yeah, because agriculture was dominant, right? It was dominant in Exactly. And the other thing is when he started, y- it wasn't like today you could go you could just go and uh if you wanted to stock th- the guy starting a game ranch today, it's, it, it, it's so easy for the guy starting a game ranch today because you can just go to an auction and buy whatever you want on the auction. Mm-hmm. And they, they deliver them to you in a truck. When when my dad started and I was a youngster, if you wanted game, there were no game auctions. So you had to go and capture the animals yourself. And um, I remember we went – we brought in eland from Namibia. We actually put Well, South Southwest Africa, and they actually put them on a train in Vintook. and we we delivered them. F- Wowza! Yeah, we rode. We we loaded te- we loaded ten eland in them in Vintuk and we ten deli- eland survived. Ten eland survived. We we took one of our workers, put him on the train, and he fed them on the train and watered them, and every single eland survived. And we. Same thing with, with our hemsbuck. We, we uh, got them in Namibia, and they, they used to chase them with four-by-four four pickups and then throw a dog off when they were tired, the dog would uh, grab the hemsbuck by the ear, and then they would load them, and that's how we got our first uh, hemsbuck. Waterbuck, I remember as a kid going, and we caught waterbuck in nets. Uh, today you wouldn't dream of doing that, and we, we caught them in nets, put them on the back of a flatbed truck, and with their legs tied and three guys holding each waterbuck. And we drove them Jeez. an hour and a half, brought them here. T- today, it, you'd never dream of that. But that was the infancy of the whole game industry. And, uh, yeah, it took... It took uh now, was, your, was the reason
1: your dad did it... Your dad, right? Yes. Your dad did it... Was it because cattle
0: was just... Cattle prices were depressed? Agriculture no. was depressed at the time? Or no, he just had this love for wildlife. He just had the love for wildlife and he wanted to he he wanted to also look at the fact that you could put in so much more red meat per elephants being here. Yeah, that's fresh. That yeah, was there fresh. last night. No, that's fresh. So you have elephants on this property? Yeah. Yeah we do. We've got quite a few. We've got too many in fact. Um we're gonna have to bring bring numbers down. Um it's difficult with elephant now because only certain properties can take elephant and virtually every property in south africa that's large enough to carry elephants has elephants. Ha- has elephants so you 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 can't really even give them away i
1: think that's just you know that's a perception that everyone had like you 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 <laughs> ask 100 people in america you know w- elephants are they endangered and obviously IUCN just came out with a reclassification of forest elephants against african elephants and then now one is you know obviously the african elephants is endangered that's right and
0: the forest for elephants the critically endangered <laughs> and it's crazy they're endangered in certain countries but not not in so, not in southern africa i mean we, go, we like i say we can't give the elephants away I've, I've offered them to people to just come and catch them and you can have them Don't been trying for 3 years wow yeah so th- the only option we're going to have is eventually to hunt them.
1: Yeah, exactly. What what would what would you do? You know, as you said, it's <laughs> give them away essentially. Like, come get them if you yep. want them. Come get them. <laughs> come get them. Yeah. It's the same situation as that Namibia scenario, right? We there were one hundred and seventy elephants put out for tender. Mm-hmm. We want. We were going to buy them. But it was like, where do you take them? Yeah. And you had to take them up to the Congo. And that's like, I think we ran the numbers. It was
0: like $3 million. To get them up there. To move them. Wow. Well, that's what people don't understand. It's easy to say, well, I'm going to move a kudu or an eland or a wildebeest. But to, to move a to move an elephant takes a couple of thousand you know, rand to catch each one. So we've got elephant on the property. You've got rhino. You've got buffalo. We've got leopard. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then all the smaller predators, and both brown and spotted hyena. Is there a reason why you have not brought lion onto the property and let them free roam? Um, we do get virtually every year we get some free roaming lion that move through, but they don't. They they they. You they know, don't stick around. Yeah, they're not sticking around. Um, the the reason would be there's some water back out there. The reason would be probably our biggest problem is to. To keep them in our, our whole southern boundary is up in the mountains, and to try and electrify that, you could do the electrification, but you, the only way you can patrol that is to literally walk. You mm-hmm. can't, you can't use a horse, you can't uh, use a vehicle, not even a four wheeler. It's just too rocky. And if they get out of there, they would move into the tribal areas and, and eat the cattle and the donkeys and goats. Right, and so it right. would just be never, never ending. Yes, <laughs> that's creepers.
1: So when. When someone from the US or, you know, people that don't understand hunting, we're driving through a place that is abundant. Like, you can hear us turn off the vehicle. Every time we're turning off the vehicle... They're filming some animal. We're filming some animal. Waterbuck, we're looking at some waterbuck right now that was Impala. We just crossed over some, you know, fresh elephant dung. If you weren't selling hunts here... Mm -hmm would you not bring eco tourists in and become a, phos-
0: a photographic sort of like what we're doing right now we tried we've tried that for many many years we and we marketed heavily back in the in the 80s and 90s for tourism the biggest problem we're too far off the beaten track we we've got no aer- no major airport anywhere near us and the, and the average photographic tourist he wants to fly in spend 3 days and and move on again and if you haven't got an airport anywhere near you, they're not going to do the drive. It's just too 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 long a drive. Whereas your your hunter, he doesn't mind. He'll drive all day to get somewhere, and he doesn't mind the rugged terrain and and he doesn't mind you know sitting at airports and waiting. Your your average photographic people, it's just they want everything just laid on. How many photographic tourists do you think you would need to push through this property well, to account for? You know. Okay, so what we do, we we probably do, let's say, about thirty thirty hunters a year. Okay, and for me to to make the same income from photographic guys, I would probably have to push through 150 to 200 uh, photographic tourists. So your your imprint is going to be way way higher than than the hunters the imprint on the environment uh, right right yeah they did an interesting study <coughs> uh, it was 3 years ago in a in a big game area which is they do hunting and and photographic but it's mainly photographic but they do some hunters and they they had 49 hunters that year in the area and 12,000 photographic tourists the 49 hunters brought in more income than the 12,000 tourists that was in south africa wow uh, and that 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 uh, just shows you i mean imagine what 12,000 people what imprint they left versus right. 49 hunters yeah it's a no-brainer so if hunting was taken <laughs> off this property you you did
1: talk about different other streams of income right mm-hmm. your game capture
0: game auction but it's okay. It's a it's a small it's a small figure. Uh, the game capture is quite good, but you can only catch so many animals, mm-hmm. and 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 generally a lot of times you're not catching those big old bulls because they they they're too hard on the environment. Uh, I mean they're too hard on the capture. The capture equipment. I think they're seeing some water back there, isn't it? Uh, a lot of those bulls are too hard on the on, on the capture equipment on the trucks they fight and they, they're too expensive to catch because you've got to bring them in one one at a time so it's, just, it's not viable often catching the big bulls the only viable option is to hunt them and uh, yeah I mean I last year when we had the COVID lockdown why don't you just and this is me playing devil's advocate yep. why don't you just
1: let mother nature be Howard why don't you just let the big bulls you know <laughs> be and we don't need to hunt them
0: well, some something has to pay for the running of the ranch, and uh, if if uh, if we can't hunt those animals, there's going to be no income to pay the anti-poaching guys, to pay the staff, to run the vehicles, to to uh, maintain uh, roads, maintain vehicles. Something's got to pay for that, and the only way is to is to do game capture, uh, culling, and trophy hunting, and tro- to give you an in- interesting um observation when we had covid when we had covid last year and we we couldn't have any any um foreign hunters we we reverted we reverted to um we reverted to um meat hunters biltong hunters and i did about 160 biltong hunters And those 160 built on hunters brought in 20% of what 30 of my trophy hunters bring in. Wow. So it's just we have to have trophy hunting to be able to make these big private reserves uh, viable. I mean, if you take 160 people brought in 20% of what 30 Mm -hmm. foreign hunters bring in, plus when the foreign hunters hunt... The meat all stays ours, so we can supply it to the local communities. We can sell it to the butchers. There's whereas the built-on guys taking his his meat. So I mean, it's it's an absolute no-brainer. We have to have trophy hunting to sustain these vast areas.
1: Yeah, because the the you know the idea that someone says, well, there must be a there must be a different model. There must be something that can pay. There yeah. must be. Is there something else? <sighs>
0: oh. If there was something else, I'd love to. I'd love to know what the <laughs> that, that silver bullet is. Right. Because we've we've done we've done the game we do, or we do the game capture. We do some photographic safaris. We do meat hunting. We do some culling. And none of them can bring can compete with the trophy hunting simply because the trophy hunting is dollar based or euro based or pound. And like I said earlier, being in Africa, we have to have something that's going to bring in foreign currency. Wow, they're your giraffes. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. No, six. Yeah. We have a ton of giraffe, yeah. There's some days you'll see 40 or 15 in an, in one little area. Healthy population? Yeah, too, way too many. Um, and even the giraffe, you know, people say oh shame how, how can you hunt giraffe but you know you can only carry so many giraffe as well so you have to either capture them and sell them or you've got to um, cull them um, and there's, there's quite a demand for uh, giraffe meat amongst the pretty good meat very good meat there's, there's, uh, the old old bulls have got quite a strong smell but it's not, a, not so much on the meat but the younger bulls and, and uh, stuff are they're good eating they really are and yeah, we doesn't matter whether it's a impala or whether it's an elephant or a giraffe. Whether, the, the the land can only carry so many animals, and then you've got to start doing something. Got to do something. Yeah, and you've got two options: you either you either hunt them or you capture them. But they both. Uh, well, someone would argue that there's actually a third way, which is just let Mother Nature be. And if they overpopulate, they're going to die plus kill other species as well because they're going to eat everything that's there to eat and they're going to starve to death which I'd rather, I'd rather end the animal with a bullet or capture it. It's so funny that <laughs> that typically is the rhetoric yeah. of people
1: that are against <laughs> hunting. Let Mother Nature be. Yeah. But Mother Nature, she's, she's cruel and she's violent
0: and she has no morals. Exactly. and she will, she will keep the numbers down. If you let them overpopulate and you, ha- you have a drought, they're going to crash. And you can have a major crash in your population. So I'd rather keep them sort of maintained, or not sort of, I'd rather keep them maintained at a certain number that I know that's a sustainable number for the property. The minute you go above that, you've got a problem. So when you decide
1: what (laughs) you're hunting every year, how are you deciding? That's (coughs) willy-nilly, right? You just go
0: around and say, "Ah, I think we're going to be able to take 20 Impala this year, or I'm going to take 30 Buffalo this year. No, so what we do, we do a game census every year. Uh, we, With a helicopter, we do, we fly uh, grids and we, we count the entire reserve, which is damn expensive, but it's, we've got to do it. It's the only way. It's like the guy who raises cattle. He counts his cattle. He knows exactly how many cattle he's got. And he knows what he can run. So we've got to do the same with our wildlife. We've got to count them and then from that count, we work out how much we've got to remove of each species and whether we remove it through capture or hunting or culling, um, but we have to remove an X amount every year. So on this reserve, we've we've got to probably move... We've got to move about 1,500 animals a year. We have to remove off this reserve um, every year. That's a lot of animals. It's a lot of animals. And of those 1,500, we'll probably... You know, three or 400 will probably be hunted, and the rest will be captured live and moved um, to other reserves. But, you know, ultimately we have to remove them some way
1: mm-hmm.
0: or mother nature removes them. or mother nature will remove at some it. point
1: yeah <laughs> yeah it's a it's a very unique model right that it's just yeah. you're you're just you're, you're uh, it's an agricultural model it's a exactly it's just you know maximizing your maximum sustainable yield year over year you are obviously in a drought-prone <laughs> part of the country that's right uh, we're r- right up north in south africa very close to the zim border you've had really good rains this year yeah first time in in six years and so are you are you changing your management goals and objectives dependent on obviously that's going to make have a major impact on the population right in the drought years you know, you,
0: you're probably not getting good calf crops or... That's right. So so some years, you know, you like, like we had this drought for the last six years, obviously a lot of the, the females, they still bred most of them, but uh, a lot of them maybe didn't raise their calves or they aborted their fetuses, uh, which some of the game can do. Um, so the secret is when it rains like it did this year, is not get excited and say, man, I've got lots of grazing this year because we don't know that drought could come back next year. Mm-hmm. So we even in a good year, we still have to keep removing um, and stick to our our um, values of how many animals we want to carry. Yeah, you can see there's been some rhino in the road Yeah, two, two rhinos have walked here during the night. So you've got rhino on the
1: property? Yeah. We have white and black? Both white and black, yes. Um. Obviously, m- you know, big poaching issues when it comes to rhinos. Yeah,
0: we. Have you had any rhinos poached? We we have. We've had a couple poached, and it's and it's really been tough. And we've we've had a dehorn all the rhino, and you've got to keep doing it because those horns are growing all the time, and uh, again at at huge cost. I mean, it it's costs, you know, by the time you dart a rhino, helicopter time, vet time, and then what we do, we we we. Put tracking devices on each rhino, but the tracking devices only last you know, between a year and 18 months. Mm-hmm. So we've got to we've got to dehorn them and replace their tracking devices every sort of 18 months or so. Do, <coughs> do you hunt your rhinos on the property? We have before, but we haven't uh, for many years now because they they all dehorned so no value really there's no hunting value in our rhino we purely we purely keeping the rhinos for the love of the animals and to for the species and then also it's well let's talk about that value because that's (coughs) where people are going to take issue right yeah
1: is that and i think that's the whole like element of trophy hunting is people that are against trophy hunting and there's even hunters that are against trophy hunting yeah you know, when I th- I, you think about it, I like to call it selective hunting, right? You're selecting the oldest, maturest animal to, again, sustain the population. But when you said that the rhino has no value anymore, that's really what a, a rhino brings, right? There's, when someone wants to hunt a rhino, they want to hunt it because
0: it has good horns. Exactly, exactly. So now we've removed the horn, so it's got no value for a hunter. The only, the only value it's got now is for the hunter to see the animal. He may be out there um, hunting an impala or a kudu or a hemp whatever it is, but he bumps into a rhino and it's a thrill to see one of the big five. But, you know, the the, the big problem has been rhino were worth a lot of money a few years ago, with or without a horn. Mm-hmm. But the the, the the reality is now because the poaching is so intense and it costs so much money to protect them, I mean, we're spending an absolute fortune on protecting our rhinos, and yeah, we did the rhino project with you guys I- exactly. in December to help you guys because you were coming out of that massive drought. That's right, and, and I mean, we're eternally grateful to you know to you guys for for helping us with that. You know, we could go out and buy a couple of couple of hundred bales of, of uh, lucerne and stuff, but uh, the, the the fact is, we're spending an awful lot of money looking after the animals, for no. Return. Like I say, we're doing it for the love, the love of the animal and for conservation. Yeah, but at the end of the day, (laughs) love only goes so far, right? And that's my concern. We we started, we've got a a rhino association in our area that all the rhino breeders belong to. And when we started uh, eight, nine years ago, there were 13 of us in our area. We're down to two. There's two of us left with rhino. Wow. The rest of the guys sold their rhino, got rid of them. Some were all poached. But a lot of guys just said, look, it's, I'm not going to endanger my life anymore. I'm not going to endanger my family's life. The poaching that bad? The poaching is, is that bad on, on rhino. That, I mean, it's, it's a war. There's, there's no, there is no two ways about it. The rhino uh, protection, it's a, it's a low-key war, and people do not understand. You know, these rhino poachers are, are armed. They carry sidearms. I mean, and and they've attacked. They've attacked uh, game ranches at their houses. Um, people have been shot. It's it's an all-out all-out war, and a lot of guys have just got out of it. Well, there's an the example. From 13, we're down to two guys, uh, two ranches in our area left with Rhino. Amazing. It's sad. No,
1: it's a sad day, and then <laughs> it's it's almost sad also that bringing it full circle. It's sad that someone like you on a property like this where the rhino has no
0: value from a hunting perspective. The only thing that is keeping rhinos on this property is the hunter's dollar. That's, that's the crazy part. It's the hunter's dollar that's keeping the rhino alive. Not, no, no, no greenie, no anti-hunter has put one penny into, into the, the, the rhino protection on this reserve. And you know, it's, it's just, it's, it's, it's sad because uh, they all talk the talk, but none of them are walking the walk. Mm-hmm. Well, not as far as private. As far as private, uh, they may be giving the Kruger Park and these national parks are are getting a lot of of donations from, from um, anti-hunting groups. But the private landowners, it's uh, the hunters that are supporting us. Do we know? I don't know the statistic off the top of my head, but
1: I could almost, you know, I know the statistic for Africa in which it is there's double the amount of habitat and wildlife conserved on private land than there is in national parks. That's right. Uh, It'll almost be about the same in South Africa. It could be even it, more it, in South it's Africa. I, think, I it's think it's
0: even more in South Africa. And an interesting aspect is um, right now the private landowners in South Africa have got more rhino than all the national parks put together, which is really sad. Up, and, up until a few years ago, the national parks had more. But they've they've been so decimated by poaching that uh, the kruger up until up until a year ago the kruger kept saying they've got ten thousand odd rhino. Well, now the truths come out. They they've got less than three thousand, I believe. Um, they they are probably double that in private private hands at the moment. Yeah, um, and it's crazy. And yet we we get no. We don't get any help from the state we don't get any help from 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 the world at in general to protect our rhinos and yet we're protecting more than than the national parks have got Yeah, it's a
1: you know it, it's it's almost a backwards model right the yeah that someone is against us for putting you know using hunting as a way to put value onto a land onto a property and yeah, we're talking about rhinos, but there's a bunch of stuff on this property, Howard, that you don't hunt.
0: No, not at all. I mean there's we, we don't hunt we don't hunt any of the cats. We got no you don't get any permits for cats. We're protecting a huge amount of leopard. We saw battered fox this morning. Yeah. Do you hunt bat fox fox no, here? No, never. So there's so and many animals that are
1: actually protected because of hunting. That's right.
0: I see some fresh buffalo dung there. Elephants have just been here. Let me see. Zequoya Angendo. Exactly going this way, the elephants. Um yeah, we, we now we've become one of the we one of the reserves in South Africa where they're releasing pangolins. That's right, that's
1: right. Uh my mate Francois Mayer. Yes. It's funny how small this world small is. Eh? World.
0: I started talking to Francois Mayer before I even knew of Greater Kudaland. And so they've you know, they've earmarked us. They, that this is one of the release sites where these poor animals have you know, been recovered from the poachers. And yeah, and they if they people don't know, Pangolin is the most trafficked
1: animal in the world. That's right. And, and so you've got a 70,000 acre property here that is protected through Hunter Dollars that is now a release site for the most trafficked animal in the world. Exactly. And And, and just to make sure that everyone understands,
0: you're not hunting pangolins. No, never. (laughs) 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 And the crazy thing is, it was interesting, uh, last year, we... We we, uh, had the first pangolin born, released pangolin in in the history, born on Kudaland, and they got it on film and everything. Was Actually, they had it on, on... National TV um, amazing, yeah, so and, and uh, that makes you proud, right? yeah, and they, they've now been able to study the, these these pangolins, and they're seeing how the, the, the baby and the mother react and what the mother does. Nobody knew anything about it until until this this pangolin which they nick- they, they gave her the name Ellie until Ellie gave birth, and where did Ellie give birth on a hunting ranch? Not on some mm. national park, mm. and yeah. So we're protecting. I mean, we've been doing a leopard study uh, now for over two years, and we've identified 30 36 individuals already. That's not saying all 36 live permanently on the reserve, but we've identified 36 leopard, and those leopard are protected. We're not we're not hunting those leopard. Um, it's 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 just crazy. So you know, the the the, the anti's can say what they want to. But we we're doing way more protecting animals than, than shooting animals yeah it's it's the whole model well, their model is every indiv they you know they
1: they work on an individual basis yeah, we work on a population basis that's right that you're sacrificing yes, you have to kill you have to kill well you know in, in your <laughs> the way that you framed it, we have to take out there has to be an, a certain amount of, amount of animals that are taken off this property every year.
0: Where? Uh, could it? Well, that's it. You know, the bottom line is we've got to look. We've got to look at the habitat, and we can only carry what the habitat will allow. And certain years you've got to take off more because of droughts. Certain years you can take off a little bit less. But bottom line is habitat, and there's no ways that we can allow the animals to turn this into a desert. We've got to we've got to control them. Right. I mean, here's a classic example. Look at this tree pushed over by an elephant into the road. You know, your property can only sustain sustain so many animals and so many elephants. Well, you know, if if I can sustain 50 elephants on my property, I can't carry 100. Um, Sooner or later, those elephants will start destroying the environment so badly that other species will go extinct. Yeah, it's all about balance,
1: right? It's about... Us as humans being the stewards of this land. Exactly. Instead of letting Mother Nature do what she does. And, you know, yes, she'll you know she'll manage herself. But it'll be at a boom and a bust cycle. And weather will have a major factor in it. And it's not pretty when things, you know, she decides, okay, we're going to take out yeah. half the population because they can't sustain themselves.
0: Well, yeah, I look at an interesting thing. I look at the Kruger Park now. When I was growing up, all the years, they kept... They kept the elephants. look at this. They kept the elephants out of the Pufuri area along the Lavubu River. It was The Lavubu was considered a um, sort of a no-go area for elephants because they wanted to s- protect all those beautiful riverine trees. Mm-hmm. Well, since the, the late '90s, they, sh- they stopped removing elephants from from uh, that area. And the elephants have moved into that, into that Lvubu in a big way, which is pretty to see. But you go and do a game drive in the uh, Lvubu area now, and where there were magnificent forests, those fever tree forests. Right, I remember those. You, they are decimated. You, there's areas you can drive for a kilometer, and you will not see a tree standing. Wow. Thanks to elephants. Now, what do you want to tell me that's that's good? so the greenie wants to tell me well no that's fine Uh, you just don't you you can't hunt the elephant or reduce the elephants but uh, it's fine they can destroy the entire habitat now the the vultures are losing their trees for nesting the fish eagles are losing their trees for nesting the yeah, there's a knock-on effect throughout the, inv- the the ecosystem. The bushbuck and the nyala are losing all their, their trees that they eat. So you, yeah, exactly. So I mean, it's, it's just I mean I don't know. You just I just can't understand the the common sense. Well, th- in fact, uh, like I said to Craig earlier, the world the world is full of clever people, but very few wise people. Mm. And and I think unfortunately there's too many clever people running running the. Um, conservation models in our in our country zebra not a zebra yeah there's a couple of them in out there yeah zebra or zebra zebra <laughs> <laughs> it depends <laughs> if you're an American it's a zebra <laughs> yeah it's
1: um, you know I, one of the things I always say is if they just came and saw it yeah just and come and, and see what we do
0: yep we, we, you know, when we do, interesting over the years, when we do our game, ca- game capture, we've often had um, volunteers coming from the U.S. and Europe, and a lot of the volunteers, for some reason, are, are women. I would say 70% of the volunteers. And they come and spend a month or two weeks here <coughs> and getting their hands dirty and doing at a game capture and stuff. And a lot of them arrive here totally anti-hunting because they don't understand it. And we, we I explained the, the situation and the model that we have here and I'm yet to have one that went home without understanding the system and why why we hunt and why we do game capture. As soon as they get you and you can explain to them around a campfire, the, the bigger picture, there's no problem, right? I mean, I've had some of them come here completely anti hunting, don't even want to eat meat. And uh, I'll explain to them, and within a couple of days, they're happy to eat the venison. They're even happy to go and, and see some of the animals being hunted. You know, it's because it's just opened up a whole new world to right, them. Right, right. Well, it's, a, it's, you know, everyone thinks that hunting,
1: you know, based on social media, is just tied to that, it's just tied to the, the kill the baboons in front of us okay um but they forget the build-up that that well they they forget all of everything else everything yeah. that you just described all the things that are happening on the farm all the things that you're protecting all of those elements don't get translated <laughs> through a single social media post <coughs> They, you know you have to be in it you have to see it that's why you know us doing a podcast like this and the things that we're doing really open up the eyes of the non-hunter to say, oh, wow,
0: that's, that's how things really are. That's that. right. That's right. No, it's, it's extremely interesting. And, and I'm, like I say, I'm yet to have a single person leave this place that can argue against our, our model. Once they've been here and they see what we, we're doing, they d- There's without doubt, there's not a single person I've had that, that uh, was unhappy what we're doing. But they've got to be exposed to it. Right. Well, I appreciate your
1: hospitality, and uh, yeah, it's been—we've uh, only been on the ground for less than twenty-four hours. <laughs> well, I appreciate you guys coming out, Robbie. Yeah, it's uh, it's going to be good. We just want to show the other side. We essentially want to tell the truth, right? Yep. We want to tell the truth of what's happening on the ground, of people like you, game ranchers wildlife management and what
0: hunting is doing
1: for that side of things.
0: That's right. Yeah, I always tell the guys as well, and I may have mentioned it to you earlier, look at, look at this, what we're seeing here. We're driving along. We've seen how much game already. We're looking at this environment in its natural state. Um, we're not seeing fences. We're not seeing damn human encroachment anywhere. And yet we're a hunting reserve. But we're only hunting a small... Percentage of the animals each year. We not we not we have hunting our kind of hunting will never ever destroy a population of animals. Well, I couldn't think of a better way to end the podcast.
1: Yeah. Well, that's it for today. I appreciate you listening as always. Leave a review, share it with your friends, and most importantly, do what's right to convey the truth around hunting. In Wild Country, rules were not created by man. Don't miss Wild Country, Wednesdays from 7 to 11 p.m. Eastern. Presented by Primos. Speak the language. Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. Join Captain Justin Leake and Meredith McCord for the best fishing action along Panama City Beach. Tune in to Chasing the Sun every Sunday at 9.30 a.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV.